Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Drip, a DC coffee podcast. I'm pumped for today's episode for a few reasons. One, Jesse Bro is a local home roaster who is going to give us tips on home roasting and help to expand our understanding of coffee certifications. Two, Jesse is helping me kick off a mini series called DIY DC Coffee. This is a short two episode series focused on giving you all the information you need to roast like a roaster and brew like a barista at home. The next episode in the series will be with one of DC's most popular and best baristas. Three, Jesse has offered to give away one pound of his home roasted coffee to a lucky listener. So tweet or post on Twitter or Instagram, hashtag GiveMeDCCoffee at DC Drip Podcast by January 30th to be put into the drawing. Honestly, Jesse's City Plus Kenya Jimbo Coffee was some of the best coffee I had in 2017, and I hope you get a chance to try it. Anyways, I think you're really going to love this conversation. So sit back, grab your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. It's kind of bizarre how we ended up here and that I was flying to California, sat right next to your fiance. Mm -hmm. We talked about the wedding for like an hour. And then I mentioned that I have was starting a coffee podcast. She's like, oh, really? And then she started talking about you and you being a home roaster and having a love and passion for coffee. We exchanged information and now we're, we're talking today. And I'm, I'm excited because like I was saying earlier, the... The focus of the podcast is really on D.C. and the community around coffee in D.C., that being mm-hmm. uh, roasters, uh, whether they're professional or home roasters, baristas, regulars. So you're part of the D.C. coffee community, and it's great to have you on Drip, a D.C. coffee podcast. Well, thanks, Austin. And we had a bit of a back and forth, and it's an odd thing that we're sitting here together in your condo here, but... I'm excited to be here, too, because, like I told you before, it's always been one of my, like, weird fantasies to be on a podcast, and what better than to talk about coffee on something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. What's your coffee journey in general? How'd you get into coffee, and then what took you to want to home roast? Well, that's it starts a long time ago. My older brother, I have an older brother, he's four years my senior when I was about 12, he started drinking coffee, and I wanted to be cool like my older brother. So I started drinking coffee, too, and I absolutely hated it, as most 12-year-olds who typically drink, like, soda and fruit punch and stuff would. Um, but again, I was trying to be like my older brother. So that's really when I started drinking coffee. I continued for a while, and something that really got me into the more specialty coffee, craft coffee, if you will... Yeah. Closer to the end of my tenure in college, I started drinking a lot of craft beer, trying a lot of like smaller restaurants, and I became really, really obsessed with like trying things that were like not big box, not chain, and getting to know the people who ran those places. Soon enough, I just, I got really interested in getting like specialty coffee from places that were more like organic granola, they were less big box, and I found out that you could roast your own coffee at home. I found some good people on this online community I'm a part of that get coffee from big importers, that they have good relationships with them. And that's how I got started ordering. Are you still in this community as well? Yeah, it's called the Green Coffee Buying Club. Greencoffeebuyingclub.com or 
GCBC. I always get that acronym. Okay, GCBC. You're in the right place to bring out acronyms. Oh, yeah, I know, right? So many acronyms. And sorry to stop you on your story. This this online community, you can ask for advice. and, And what's it like? And can anybody join? Anyone can join. It started about 10 years ago. So you can talk about anything from equipment. There's a whole used equipment kind of marketplace. People buy and sell used equipment. There's some regulars there who've been there since it started, and they review new equipment, new ways to roast coffee, new ways to make brew coffee. And it's a pretty amazing thing to be a part of because a lot of guys who've been on there have been doing this for a really long time. And when I first started roasting, I was just doing it so wrong. And I would post some pictures like, hey, why does my coffee look so terrible? Look at this. Can anyone give me advice? And almost immediately they got back to me and they were like, yeah, you might not be going at high enough temperature. Try it a little longer. What what um, roaster are you using? And they really helped me get um, started on learning how to do this. Um because YouTube videos and blog posts can only help so much. It's yeah. nice to get some real-world feedback from people who've been doing this for a while. So you joined this community, which helped uh, support your interest in your, your craft mm-hmm. uh, when you were at school still. And did this... Well, I started what? drinking more of the coffee that wasn't just like what you could get at a grocery store. Mm-hmm. I started buying it from local roasters in college. And ordering it from local roasters online. And then after a couple of years, I was just so interested. I was like, just really into the whole coffee thing. And I was like, I got to try roasting this myself. I was just, I actually, when I first started, we had an apartment kind of like this one, no front porch. It's just, there's no direct access outside. And I was roasting it in my living room. It emits a kind of smell that, can be described as cut grass and burnt sugar and it's oil. So it gets in all kind of couch cloth curtains. <laughs> it just really made our apartment stink. And after a while, my fiance banned me from roasting coffee inside, but thankfully we just recently moved to a place that has a front porch. So I am roasting in a more regular, uh, regular schedule. I'm able to experiment a little bit more now. <laughs> That's a, uh... That's good to know. So if yeah. you are going to go home roast, you should make sure you have the appropriate location for it. Open windows do not work. I'll tell you that right now. Um, That's good to know. They yeah. They have to be outside or in like a garage or something where there's you don't care about the smell as much or there's just a lot of airflow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you start out trying to be cool like your brother so you drank coffee exactly uh and then you started to drink more craft beverages in general and coffee was one of those mm-hmm. and you realized you wanted to try it yourself and so you started roasting yeah yeah and and so would you start roasting on initially and so i guess the real question is if i am in dc and i want to start roasting myself what do i need to do i'd love to hear your path of beginning roasting to where you are now and mm-hmm. then also kind of the, the key things that you would need to be a home roaster. There's a couple different levels of it. What I mean by that is you can start roasting if you just want to try it out by spending 30 or 40 bucks and getting an old popcorn popper. And it's weird. The older, the better, because you want a popcorn popper that's kind of used and it's it doesn't have um, as much power as it used to because it can really easily just torch and char the beans. <laughs> 
So you want to get one with like a low wattage. Uh, and that's what I started out on huh. was just to use eBay popcorn popper. Are these the air roasters or the ones you put on the stove? And air crank? roasters. Okay. Air roasters. Yeah. It works really well, surprisingly well. And you can roast a decent amount of coffee on a popcorn popper. That's where I started out. And after the first few times, I was like, all right, I got to get, I like this. I'm taking it a step up. So a lot of different levels. That's really like the initial, if you just want to try it out, popcorn popper is a great way to start. Mm-hmm. And then the Be More, what I use, you can roast about 12 ounces of coffee at a time. Mm-hmm. That's really like the next level up. And I've had mine for about a year. And after that, you really, it's just, there's such a long way after that. Because there's, after the Be More, what I have, it's a big investment in a mm-hmm. more heavy-duty coffee machine. Yeah. Do you mind? So, first level, popcorn roaster. Second yeah. level is a Be More, or are there other types of equipment that you could buy in the, let's say, the second level of home roasting? There's a couple different ones out there. I'm privy to the Be More just because there's a larger capacity, larger roast capacity, and it's to me, it's just more consistent. Okay. I like it more. It's a drum roaster as mm-hmm. opposed to like Airflow, which is a hot air roaster, similar to what a popcorn mm-hmm. popper would be. In my opinion, that's the best one for home roasting if you want to get to that second tier of being a home roaster. Okay. What's the price range for the beginning step? You said like 30 to $45, older the better. Coffee. Yeah. Or, just, um, I'm telling you, go on eBay, get one of those like, like old 70s looking. Okay. Yeah, like popcorn poppers. Those are the best, man. Like you'd be surprised. And if you go on YouTube, some people make these crazy contraptions out of them. They have like little dials that they hook into the power cord, which controls how much power goes into the actual roaster. I mean, people get pretty into it. And then the Be More, it's a couple hundred bucks. I think I got mine for two fifty, two seventy five. Mm-hmm. You can get them used though for I've seen them one fifty, two hundred. And the actual coffee itself for the kind of coffee that I'm roasting, it's at a huge discount. So it's nice because over time, what I was spending on like nice specialty coffee, twelve fifteen dollars a pound, now I'm spending like six or seven dollars a pound. Okay, so because you're buying it green, yeah, and I'm buying it at like ten fifteen pound increments. Mm-hmm. Oh, 10, 15 pound increments. Wow. And then so for say the third level of roasting, mm-hmm. home roasting, what type of investment is that? You're getting up to like. I'd say the two to five thousand dollar range. Okay. And a big reason is because every way I've mentioned so far, it's all like electric conduction. That's how the heat source that's the main heat source for roasting the beans. And it's not the best. Gas roasters and propane roasters, you can control the heat a lot more. Okay. It can raise and lower the heat. So you can get into a lot of different nuances of the beans at that level. And really, once you get to that level, that's the big thing is you want to get into like a more of a gas propane and those tend to be more expensive you need either a gas line you need to get kerosene or some sort of tank to roast the coffee and they're pretty big machines too so you need like you definitely need a garage which i do not have a garage that i could put, put this in. gotta talk to your fiance about that yeah i know right well we, we already moved to a place that i was scouting now it's like all right the next place has to have a porch so i can roast some coffee but yeah it's I'd like to get to that level yeah. because you can do a lot more with the roaster that is of that quality in that price range. And it's just, you can roast a lot more coffee and all my family and friends ask about 
if they can have coffee all the time. So I can spend hours some days just Surprising. roasting coffee, yeah. which I love doing, but it'd be nice to be able to roast at a bigger capacity. Yeah. So the Be More was around 12 ounces. You yeah. Said, and what would be the third tier of home roasting, which we've talked about? They usually go by kilos Okay, when you get to that level. So it can be from, in that price range, probably one to three kilos, which is two to six pounds, okay. two to six and a half pounds about at a time, which is a lot of coffee if you think about it. And they also yeah. don't have a lot of the limitations as the Be More. So you can roast a lot more faster mm-hmm. if that makes it. You can like have a higher turnaround. Okay. The limitations of the Be More are because it's electric and you can't control the... The heater. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it's essentially a toaster oven. So one of the limitations with the B-more is the cooling process because on the B-more, if your roast is finished, you've gotten it to a place that you're happy with, you press a button that says cool, and then you have to wait about 15 minutes and the drum spins faster and a fan pushes all the hot air out. Mm -hmm. Whereas with a roaster that... Like a Sona Fresco, for example, that's one of the higher end roasters that I was talking about. Really in the third tier, you can just dump all the roasted beans into a cooled fan area, mm-hmm. which will cool off the beans a lot quicker. Hmm. And then you can start roasting immediately once the beans start cooling, whereas the Be More, it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for the cooling process to finish up. Okay. And so just for the third tier, for people at home, would that be even the third tier of home roasting that could also be retail or wholesale roasting for cafes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. A lot of people actually start on what's the Sona Fresco. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that I think you can get up to two kilos with that and you can roast about probably finish three roasts an hour. Um, so it's about what, 12 pounds an hour or so, yeah. which is a small scale. I actually know I've read some articles on how, coffee roasters get started and they yeah. said they get one of those and then all of a sudden they have such a high demand they get another one and oftentimes coffee roasters will suggest if you can purchase a big roaster first like a 15 20 kilo because nice. you get into the habit of having to go step up step up step up and it can cost a lot of money you could start at that level even though i don't know i would consider that still a home roaster mm-hmm. or like a project roaster coffee roaster if you're just getting one that can roast two to three kilos at a time okay uh, and to switch tracks a little bit in the second episode we talked to qualia coffee and one of their roasters and we went a little bit into some of the nuances of the craft but i'd really love to dive a little deeper with you in regards to what is roasting and maybe just the process of roasting beans and what you look for and, and time periods and like that Sure. Things like that. So maybe just kind of a monologue of you source the bean, what type of bean are you looking for? How's that play into the roast? And then so how long are you roasting from? Yes. Start to green. finish. Start to green. finish uh, where I, when I get the beans to when I roast it to how long it takes before I brew it, that kind of thing. That'd be great. Would love that. Yeah. 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 Um, I get all my beans from green coffee buying club that it's the best place to do it. I mean, especially for starters, there's a lot of, not bad coffee beans out there. Mm. If you want to get into specialty coffee, though, that's it's a very low investment of time and resources into getting really, really quality green coffee. So usually there's new coffee offerings that are posted about once, 
twice, sometimes a week. And I always scope them out to see if it's something I've never tried before, if it's something that I tried and I really liked but haven't gotten in a while. And it depends. I mean, I'll get coffee sometimes. I usually try to get it only when I don't have any just because there's you can buy 5, 10, 15-pound increments. And if I were to just get one that I really wanted to try every time, I would end up with like 50 pounds of coffee in my closet, which would also <laughs> start to get on my fiancé's nerves. So, yeah, it's after I get the coffee... And I'm not really particular with any sort of like organic fair trade, the names that you put on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to learn more about where the coffee comes from. Typically, it comes from Royal Coffee or cafe importers. Um, and I've actually been meaning, I want to start asking the guys who get this coffee where, which farm it comes from, if they can tell me that. Because there's just hundreds. And I've looked at, I've tried yeah. to look at it before. It's tough to find out where it comes from. Um, but anyway, we can talk about that a little bit more. That'd be great. So I get the coffee. I usually set up my roaster out on my front porch. I weigh it out. I, I usually go 12 ounces because especially when it's a little colder outside, sometimes you can't get a full roast or get it to where you want it to be. If you roast a full pound at a time, which is the capacity at the be more. So usually I weigh out 12 ounces. I start roasting and coffee roasts for typically around 16 minutes in the be more but the most important part of the roast is at the very end it's the last three or four minutes because that's really when everything starts to happen the chemistry in the bean really changes if you've ever seen a green coffee bean it's about half the size of a roasted coffee bean and a lot of it uh, changes in that last four minutes if you think of like a graph it kind of flat lines for about 14 minutes and then just shoots straight up Right at the end, the temperature of the bean, and it turns from like a green to a yellow, a cinnamon, and all of a sudden the roast starts happening. So in that last part, it goes through this process of what's commonly called first and second crack. So first crack, that's when the bean becomes really drinkable. I'd say about halfway through first crack, and it starts popping like popcorn. It Mm. makes like a consistent popping noise. And once you get through, once that stops, you stop hearing the popping. That's city or light roast. And then there's usually about a minute, a minute and a half window until it gets to second crack. So in that window, that's when you can make either like a light, a light medium, medium or city, city plus full city roast. Once it gets to second crack, that's when you get to like a darker roast. You get to Italian, French. And then after that, it can these things turn into like coals and they can really easily catch on fire. So, I mean, there <laughs> you got to be careful. To you? No, it hasn't. I've had some like flame up before, but then it, it just dies out. So that second crack after that, I mean, it gets really, it gets really dark and that's when you don't really taste the origin of the bean. You taste more of the roast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the roast meaning it's hot enough and the chemicals are starting to turn and caramelize into more sugars, right? So you're mm-hmm. going to get the you get, yes. the darker, kind of what you think of in a morning roast of just kind of chocolatey and nutty versus exactly the bright floral notes. Yeah, and lighter roasts, you get more of the nuance of the origin of the coffee, especially if you're just roasting a single origin, which is typically what I do because I like tasting all the different nuances. Mm-hmm. After that, it takes it cools down. It takes about, with the be more 12 minutes to cool. And then from there, you need to let the beans rest for about 
24, 36 hours because they degas. I think it lets out CO2. Okay. I could be wrong, though. I don't know the exact gas. And so do you let it rest in the bee more or can you take it out and put it somewhere else? I put it in a mason jar. And I okay, like, so it can rest together on top of each other. Yeah, it can rest anywhere. Mm-hmm. By that time, the beans are room temperature. And you just have to let all these gases out. And then sometimes the weight is the most difficult part, you know, because I just want to try this new bean that I just roasted. And then I have to wait three days or two days until I can. Uh, but it's worth it because I've tried. I've jumped the gun before, and it's just disappointing every time. So you got to let them rest. It's a very important part of the roasting process. Okay. So when you're going into this, at least from, from some of our talks, you're really interested in the origin and tasting the nuances of it. When you go into the roast, do you know kind of the parameters on how you want it to taste or what you're going for? Actually, the Green Coffee Buying Club, they they give profiles to every coffee they sell. So you can see they have like a rating scale. Mm-hmm. Um, they rate on like body, acidity. They rate on the different flavors like melon or like lemon, like leather kind of thing, oaky. They have a bunch of different ranges of mm-hmm. flavor profiles. And they give you a really accurate, I mean, they cup the coffee and they're, they've been doing this for a long time. So I trust their feedback on these, mm-hmm. these different beans. So I always look at the flavors cause I'm like, if I haven't tried a coffee like that, I'm so interested. I got to try it. Like how can a coffee taste fruity or melony or lemony or like walnuts? It, it's always, and it really does, especially some of these beans that are natural dried out in the sun as opposed to put through a big water machine that pulls the the pulp off. You get a lot of really acidic, fruity flavors that are just, I mean, you drink coffee and you don't think, you don't expect it to taste like that, you know? And it's it's very exciting, especially from a region that is just like so unfamiliar to me. But yeah, I I always try to get a whole lot of different variety because I love trying, like, to me it's almost, it's more complex than, than wine because... You can get from one origin and one farm, you can get so many different flavors out of it, depending on the roast, depending on the way you roast it. Even if light roast, you can have 15 different flavors of a light roast of the same origin, just in the way that you control the temperature in that last four minutes or so. It's just so complex, and that's really a big part of why I love doing this, because there's just so much, there's so many different flavors that you can get out of these beans. And so are there certain regions that you consistently go back to because they give you the cup you want? Not really, no. I mean, I I like a lot of beans that come from Africa just because they're more fruity in profile typically because a lot of those are dry processed. Like, that's a really popular way of processing beans out there. But no, I mean, I, I'm not really privy to any any specific region, I'm more interested in trying all the different regions to figure out what I like and don't like, you know? Well, not what I don't like, because there's very few beans that I don't like, let's be honest. But no, I can't think of a... I can't put my finger on... I could tell you which ones I've liked the most. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. And then also, what regions are the easiest to roast for people who are just starting out? One of my favorite ones that I've gotten from GCBC is... It was from Yemen... Some say Ethiopia was the origin of coffee. Some say Yemen. I frankly don't care enough to argue either way because both... (laughs) Both are good. Yeah, both are good. But Yemen's really... I mean, one of the things that really just gets me is if you go look at a coffee farm in Yemen, what they do is 
they almost carve the farms out of a side of a hill or a mountain hmm. and they make like different plateaus all the way down. So there's just like these different flat, it almost looks like a big staircase up mm -hmm. the side of a hill and they're all just different coffee, coffee plants. Like there's just trees all down the hill and it's, there's not really any other place that grows in that method. And it's some of the best coffee in the world that comes from Yemen unfortunate flip side of that it's also one of the hardest places to get coffee out of because they're just the nature of the state of yemen right now yeah. but every now and again i'd say once or twice a year they find a really really good bean the guys at gcbc that comes from yemen and i always jump on it so that's one of my favorites and then after that you get a lot of good beans from columbia i had a good one this one the one i actually gave you uh the kenya mm -hmm. the bean from kenya that one's really good yeah, the, um, Jesse was nice enough to roast some beans for me. They're, they're over there. What's it called? Kenya. It's from the Kirinyaga region in Kenya. And it's, I don't know how to pronounce that to you. It's U-T-E-U-Z-I, Jimbo. Utuzi. Utuzi? Jimbo. Translates to county select. That's perfect. That's so this is, that means this is one of the better ones from this. Is it a county? Or a region? I'm not quite sure. I don't sure. know. I don't know enough about that. That's another thing about when you buy these beans. They've got this like usually five, six, seven word name that's got all these different. I have beans. no idea. Yeah. So and I it always, probably changes based on country and region. Yeah. So it's always fun to look it up to see what it means. But they're good beans, is what he's. They're good to beans. Say. They're, they're good beans. Too. They're good beans. So while we're there, though, would love for you to talk a little more about. So we got this coffee, Utuzi Jimbo, mm -hmm. that you roasted uh, this morning, right? Yeah, I did. Actually, I roasted it this morning. And so what were the parameters of the roast? And I'd love to hear just more about it from you. I know you've talked about it a little bit. but Well, when I, when I get a batch from GCBC, I, I typically follow their roast when they cup the coffee. And cupping is a way of like determining the flavor profiles and rating a coffee. I usually try to mimic what they do. They tell you, oh, I roasted this to like a city, city plus, which is like a light, light, medium roast. That's what I start out with. And then I do a bunch of different experiments to see if I can get a better tasting roast that I, I like more. Because they typically go through a couple different roasts to see what's best before they cup it. And then they post that. They're like, here's our recommendations. Here's what it tastes like. Um, so that's what I, that's actually what, this was one of the first batches I roasted out of this um, batch or this order that I made. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You, uh, Jesse gave it to me and then told me I had to wait three days. So it's <laughs> kind of a, a tough gift to get. It's like getting a bicycle in the winter. I know. It's like a, Christmas. a weird form of gift giving. Yeah. It's like, here's a gift, but you can't use it yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I got to wait. Well, again, thank you for that. And I'm excited to try it on Monday. Thanks for going over some of the profiles and the different regions and how you roast. One of the questions about roasting was a kind of brewing technique after it. So you, you roast them and then are you thinking that you're going to brew them on a specific uh, machine or what's, is there um, a connection between roasting and, and the brewing device? There is. Yeah. And one of the easiest examples is espresso. Typically espresso is made with a mix between Arabica and Robusta beans. Uh, and that's just because Robusta is really strong, but not that good tasting. And when people get espresso, especially in America, they expect like a strong, highly caffeinated, really powerful drink. So that's one example of the way I actually just ordered some Robusta. They don't have that often. It's really not that good. I'm sure you're familiar. 
But other than that, I mean, what I roast again is mainly single origin. Sometimes I'll mix two together and roast it for fun just to see what kind of different flavors I can get. I mainly have drip coffee. That's mm-hmm. what I brew most of mine on. Um, I have a Bialetti too. It's like a little stovetop espresso maker. It's a percolator. Right? Yeah, it's, it like a percolator. it's like a little stainless steel. Mm-hmm. You put it in it, boils water in a little drum in the bottom, pushes the steam up through a little coffee thing into the top canister, and it makes not really not technically espresso. It's more like a strong coffee. Yeah. But no, I don't really. I'm not at that level where I'm. I'm brewing specific to different kinds of roasts. I mainly just do drip coffee. I'd love to get to that point. Uh, I was telling Austin earlier, we went to a coffee shop that I really want to get an espresso machine because that's like the pinnacle of trying the nuances and like those different flavors of the coffee. Yeah. And it's a nuances of a coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, It seems really important to you and a high interest of yours. Do you mind speaking a little more on nuances of a coffee? I feel like I've said the word nuance way too many times. Perfect amount. Okay, cool. It fascinates me that one little bean can have so, so many different flavors and levels of acidity and body. And I mean, again, I could go on and on. It comes from all around the world. I mean, there's a, the coffee belt. It's a place around the equator. It stretches all around, all around the world. That's where like 99% of the coffee comes from. But it's all tastes so different. It's almost never ending. Like there's all I've always been on the search for like that coffee that's just so good. But it's every coffee to me is so good because this is such a new thing that I'm doing roasting at home. I oftentimes buy in five to ten pound increments, and the coffee can taste so different with roasting it a matter of ten seconds longer. So that's always something that's just like how can ten seconds make such a big impact on the flavor profile of something that. The exact same bean I roasted five days ago. So yeah, it's, I, I'm on the hunt to find like that, not like a trademark or anything, but just like that great roast for different regions. I actually have a notebook. I keep track of all the different roasts that I do. Yeah. So like I roasted for this amount of time. It's like 45 seconds after first crack or a minute and 30 seconds after first crack. To, and I try and... I attempt to say, oh, I like this one better. I didn't like this one as much, but it's hard because it's all so good. It really, to me, it's, it's always something new and that's exciting about mm-hmm. it. You know? That's fair. Yeah. How long have you been roasting? For about two years now. Okay. So yeah. you, have, you have two years of experience roasting beans from all over the world, of cupping these beans or at least drinking these beans and really analyzing them. How did that change your perception of other people's roasting at specialty cafes and maybe it didn't but do you have a different view on coffee when you're is it like oh wow this seems underdeveloped or overdeveloped or i see what they're going for here yeah i mean it's i have a whole new level of respect for cafe and coffee shops that roast their own coffee because it's i mean it's such a hard thing to get right i mean it's you can make it good but to make it like Really, really just an outstanding cup of coffee. It takes hundreds of pounds to find that taste that you want, you know? And a lot of coffee shops still experiment. I mean, they never, which I think is cool. Like they're always trying to find like that new taste. Some batches I go through, I never find that like sometimes I'm just like, this is good, but it could be better. Maybe if I had a different roaster, maybe if I did this to it, 
say I have a whole new level of respect since I started roasting for cafes that roast their own coffee. A lot of it comes down to how you make it too. You can have a really good roast, but if you pull it an espresso the wrong way, yeah. it oh, can, man. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It can be, it can be bad, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. So I mean, you don't need the best bean in the world to make a decent cup of coffee, especially if you are well experienced in um, making coffee and however a variety of different ways you can make it. But when you get that like match of someone who really knows what they're doing when they pull an espresso or make a French press coupled with a really, really delicious roast, it just, you know, like I, I know now I'm like, wow, this is good stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just got to be such a, an interesting lens now to view it. I know when I started working as a barista, I would go to places and I'd get a, a latte or a cappuccino or whatnot, but uh, this is the foam is slightly not right. And yeah. I kind of became a snob and I was like, well, okay, well, hold your horses, Austin. But uh, yeah, it's nice to hear that there's still just this curiosity and passion from you, even when you're tasting other people's roasts and coffees. I asked that too. I'm like, do you roast your own coffee or do you have a roaster I can look at? Or like, I'm always curious to see what they have. And I mean, this isn't going out to say coffee shops out there using other people's coffee aren't like good coffee shops. Yeah, of course. Of course. Rotating roasters you know what I mean? is like, that's totally, really great too. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole economy of people who roast specialty coffee for like small local communities, hotels. And I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also cool. Cause I, and then I find out, Oh, where's this roaster? You know what I mean? I want to go yeah. check this roaster out. I'm, I'm curious now to see what kind of shop they have. And it just, it opens up a whole new world to places. Uh, even like restaurants I go to, I'm always curious about where they get their coffee. Mm-hmm. On that note, are there specifically in the DC or DMV area, are there roasters who you feel are doing great and, or at least that you just really like their coffee and their roasts? I like, there's Zeke's Coffee. Mm-hmm. Zeke's, I think, is up in... I think they started in Philadelphia, but they have a roaster down here, which I like. And Mom's Grocery Store. Have you heard of Mom's before? It's Mom's Organic Market. I haven't. They, um, It's like a really kind of high-end, all-organic, natural, granola kind of grocery store. Really cool. There's only like six or seven of them. There's one in my neighborhood, and they actually just started roasting their own coffee. And their roasters up in Baltimore. And I want to go check it out because if I don't, if I get my coffee anywhere else to roast it or to brew it home, I usually get it from there because it's convenient. And it's just, you don't know grocery stores like that who have a whole dedicated part of their business to roasting really good coffee. Yeah. They actually sell green coffee beans there too. And they've got like. Yeah, a, okay, so this mom's. Yeah, they sell. Grocery. Yeah. And it's, it's actually a pretty cool place, but it's also right next to where I work too, so it's convenient. And they have a lot of, they sell like only local roasted coffee other than their own. Are there any other ones in DC or, or even cafes or coffee shops that you really enjoy to go to? I like Chinatown Coffee. That was my go-to because I used to work right next to the Verizon Center mm-hmm. in Chinatown. And it's just a the epitome of like a hole-in-the-wall coffee shop. And they have the the people are super friendly. I just like the vibes there, and they yeah. make a pretty decent cup of coffee too. They do. So that was always my go to spot. And at places like Compass, that's like a staple in DC. I think that's one of the bigger ones, like local to this area, mm-hmm. if not the biggest in DC. But yeah, Chinatown Coffee is easily my favorite in the DC area. 
Wow. Shout out to Chinatown. Comedy. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I actually... I miss it so much because I used to go there like every morning when I worked in Chinatown. Yeah, I'm sorry that we went to the wrong coffee shop. Oh, no. Where we went is uh, the coffee bar, right? The coffee bar. Excellent espresso. So, yeah, I I enjoyed that. I'd never been there before. Yeah, they're a great uh, local DC place. Mm -hmm. So, to jump to another area as well, I think your perspective and comments here when we were talking before are really interesting. I think they're in a an important perspective for people to to see and hear and think about in regards to organic coffee. Mm-hmm. I asked you, are there any social awareness components that connect you to coffee? And and I, I think there are in some ways for sure. But uh, through this question you brought up, kind of in a more interesting conversation, I think of the dilemma with organic coffee. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to hear more about that from you. You also shared an article, which I'm happy to share in the show notes as well about uh, here's an interesting case against organic coffee but would love to hear you talk more about this dilemma with regards to organic coffee yeah well it's so many people it seems like are just obsessed with the labels on Mm -hmm. their food products now with coffee though it's an import from places that are almost all developing countries and a lot of these farmers live in really impoverished areas and to be an organic coffee farm or to be an organic farm in any capacity, there are hundreds and hundreds of specifications and it's really, really harsh to get the license or get the, the approval to be called organic. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes a lot of these coffee farmers in these developing countries, they can't afford it. And it's way more costly for them to produce organic coffee and it actually lowers their quality of life because they make less of a living growing organic coffee as opposed to coffee that's, I don't, I was about to say inorganic, but that's totally false because all coffee it's is all, te- hopefully. Yeah, it's all oh, technically, no synthetic yeah. coffee out there. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's really, really expensive, especially when like you're living in margins that it's just like basic, basic living. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's when you're buying coffee, if it's just organic, keep that in mind, like, if it's not fair trade, there's a good chance that those farmers are either working to be in a place where they're getting a fair trade for their, their export, or it's probably, I don't want to go out and say like, it's probably they have lower quality of life than other coffee farmers, but it's really hard for them. Mm-hmm. It's really expensive, especially in places that don't have the resources to get all the different, um, certification, yeah, the different certifications, the, then organic fertilizers, that kind of thing yeah. to grow their coffee. Cause it's all handpicked too. There's no machine that can pick coffee. Every single beans handpicked, which is probably part of the certification as well. Making sure you're picking the properly ripe cherry. And yeah. And then there's, yeah, there's all the different, it's like saying that there's 80% or more like full beans that aren't damaged, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's something that, as I roast more, I'm more aware of. So like I, I really make an effort to try and figure out where the coffee comes from. Sometimes it's difficult though, because you have to go through a lot of channels and I'd like to get to a point where I can like help support people mm-hmm. who work in like a more sustainable farm where I know that this coffee that I'm buying is really helping people as opposed to helping the people that mediums, you know what right, I mean? Right. People profiting from it. I actually got a bean from Indonesia about a year ago and I found out it was from like a women's co-op in Indonesia really? and it was an all women's co-op 
they all work on the farm and it helps support this whole community of women in Indonesia. And their whole like mission of this co-op was to like give women a more sustainable job, work, work, that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you remember the name of that co-op or is there a place that people could find more information about that? I can look it up for you. That'd I don't remember it off the top of my head, yeah. but I, I felt really good about that. You know, I'd like to get to a place where I'm more aware and I'm, I know, or I can get coffee mm-hmm. from places like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, at the level I roast at, it's kind of hard. But eventually, I want to be at a place where I know that it's going to some good cause. Um, mm-hmm. You, you almost have to have the scale to be able to impact with your dollar. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm at such a small scale, there's only so much I can do. Yeah. But it goes a long way to at least just starting that awareness. And I think it's is the more people actually think about it, the more that they know that it's a, it's a big challenge, mm-hmm. especially for, cause I mean, coffee is like one of the only commodities out there that comes wholly from developing countries, like a farming yeah. product. And it's almost everywhere you get coffee from. Mm-hmm. It's as I think the only place in North America, well, not North America, the United States is Hawaii that actually can grow coffee. Other than that, it's, and even that, I mean, that's really, that's in the article I sent you. It was about a Hawaiian coffee farm, and they were saying, because we live in America, we have to pay a fair minimum wage, and we struggle to hire people and afford to pay them because organic is such an expensive and hard label to get Mm -hmm. for your product. Yeah, there was an interesting dilemma that Mm -hmm. they had where they... And I'll share this in the show notes, but they tested it, right? That's my understanding of the article where they kept using the same style of mm-hmm. uh, fertilization and, and whatnot and then tried to do all organic and the crops just didn't grow as well. And they're thinking, well, if we do all organic, we're not going to be in business and we're not going to be able to feed ourselves because we feed ourselves off the profits. And yeah, though we want to go this way, how do we make a nice blend of it? But uh, it creates an interesting dilemma. Yeah. And I, I value quality of life for people over yeah labels for products. Um, and I, I think that's, it's a tough thing. And I think it's a, a growing issue, not just in coffee, but all different kinds of foods and beverages, resources is what actually does organic mean. And I think the more people understand that this is what is going to be the best for you, or this is going to be, has this label on it. doesn't really make a difference, except it makes it a lot harder for the farmers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a fickle, fickle product too. It's a fickle plant. Yeah. I don't know a whole fickle. lot about that. Um, but I do know it's, it's a very temperamental, um, crop. Yeah. There's a book called God in a cup. And if you haven't read it, if you're listening, it's one of the best books of coffee I've read and it falls around, uh, some of the big producers like counterculture and intelligentsia and the relationships that they've developed with farmers out of origin um, and all the money that they've had to spend to to support people while they go organic or get these certifications. And just talking towards your point, like some people don't have the resources or the partnerships to be able to do it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's something for us as consumers to be conscious about, to not ignore coffees that don't necessarily have the labels we think they should have because it's a much more convoluted and nuanced, mm-hmm. nuanced again, uh, nuanced, nuanced yeah. uh, <laughs> Uh, relationship with regards to the beans and the certifications. So I'm happy you brought that up because we haven't talked about that yet on trip. I like, I mean, if, if I could give one recommendation, fair trade is a pretty globally universal label mm-hmm. that, um, 
you can rest assured that they're the people on the farms, or at least the people who run the farms, are getting some sort of fair wage based on, yeah, I'm not quite sure based on what organization's standards, but it's based on a, do you know which organization that is? Fair trade. Yeah. So, but it's, if you have fair trade organic, um, or a fair trade label on coffee, that's a pretty good indicator that the people who harvested those beans are getting a fair wage for what they're producing. Well, great. Well, thanks for diving more into that. Again, that's an important part of coffee that shouldn't be ignored. The, the other area that I'd love to talk about is you've, um, what's the way to put it? You've, you've mentioned a couple of times, all right, my next roaster, or mm-hmm. this is what comes next, or this is what I'd like to get up to. What is, what is next for Jesse in regards to roasting coffee? Um, well, I think the first step for me would <laughs> to have a place with a garage or at least uh, some sort of extension where I can have a bigger roaster. But I mean, I'd like to get to a point where I could at least roast more for family and friends because um, now it just takes so long. I already roast once, twice a week for a couple hours just for like my family, my fiance, uh, or me, right, and my fiance, not my family. I mean, I'd like to get to a place where I can have it for like gifts, you know, holiday gifts, birthday gifts. It's a really actually convenient gift because everyone loves it because it's, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I could see right now it's just a hobby of mine. Well, it's more of like a passionate hobby. It's not like my whole life is about coffee and roasting coffee. Uh, I do love it. And if it goes somewhere to where I could make it like more of a full-time venture, I would love that. But either way, I mean, I'm happy just doing what I'm doing now and making good coffee, you know? Yeah. I can't wait to try it. It's, I hope you like it. I hope that's a good venture. (laughs) It smells good and it still hasn't fully uh, come into its own yet. Like, give it a few days. (laughs) The, and so, and more just kind of imagining what does that look like of potentially being able to sustain yourself with roasting and coffee? Well, this, in the D.C. area, it's particularly a challenge because if you want to have a commercial roaster, it's pretty expensive to put it somewhere. You know what I mean? And you have to roast a lot of coffee to make it like some sort of sustainable, like if it was a job, to put it like that. I'd probably have to have a place in an area that real estate isn't so expensive for it to be something that I could live off of. Uh, I'd love to do that. I've done a lot of research about it. But I think they have a long way to go just because I really want to get the craft down and I want to understand a lot more about the different profiles from all the different regions first. And who knows, I probably won't ever get to a point where I fully understand everything just because there's so much. But I'd like to get to a point where I can have a few specific roasts that that's what I do, you know, like three or four regions, three or four different kinds of roasts. Well, great. The, so the other things... There's two kind of big sections. They're not really that big, but so we talked a little bit about kind of the the equipment that you have and everything. But if you could just break down, hey, if you're in DC and this is, you want to start home roasting, what do you need? Uh, I guess just a little home roasting toolkit uh, for people who would like to start home roasting after hearing this or have been thinking about home roasting for a while. Sure, sure. Well, someplace uh, outside that you can have a power source to if you have a front porch back porch that's ideal Uh, if you get a popcorn popper like we mentioned before 
you might be able to get away with roasting inside every once in a while. But coffee creates a couple of different byproducts that you should be aware of. They're they're very oily and they they burn oil. So it's when you're roasting coffee, a lot of these oils are burnt and it kind of can stick to your walls and stuff. Uh, and it can also stick to the machine. And you have to you have to make sure you keep up with your equipment. You have to make sure you clean it every three or four roasts, or else yeah, could risk fire because you know it's it's oil when you burn hot oil it can create an oil fire yeah. and are there certain products then that you'd recommend for people to make sure they have for cleaning um i use i use that method spray and paper towels and okay. then i okay. just like i roast it one time without coffee beans in it to burn off all the it's natural so it's not like there's any chemicals in it mm-hmm. but it's like a natural degreaser any sort of natural degreaser i would stay away from anything with chemicals in it like lysol wipes bleach anything like that um just because you're putting stuff that you drink in there and other people are going to drink and you don't want like a burnt <laughs> chemical yeah, the burnt <laughs> Windex yeah, or something yeah. so anything that's not going to leave chemical scents aromas behind because that can coffee absorbs a lot of aroma it's it's hard to describe it if you've ever been to like a perfume shop and you see the little cups of coffee laying around it's because the cups of coffee absorb all the smell and then they actually can taste like that too if you if they absorb enough of the smell. I'm getting off on a little side tangent here, but I actually keep my coffee in mason jars and I bought like these brand new mason jars one time and I totally wasn't thinking I didn't wash them out before I put the coffee in there. And new mason jars have like a really kind of rubbery smell to them and they recommend washing them out, but I totally I just disregarded that, I guess. I roasted the coffee and it actually tasted like, when I brewed it, it tasted like rubber oh. after sitting in there. So it's make sure anything you're storing these coffee beans in, either like it's a place just for coffee or it's a place where there's not a lot of other things like going into it, somewhat sealed. And then a cabinet, I keep all my roasted coffee in mm-hmm. cabinets. So yeah, yeah, I guess the roaster, either the be more or I'm going to circle back to the actual... Mm-hmm. Popcorn popper or be more. And make sure you have a small broom or like a little hand vacuum because it makes what's called chaff. And chaff is the outer skin of a um, coffee bean. And when you roast it, it pops the bean. It expands the bean and the chaff pops off. So it's almost like flaky. It gets everywhere. And there's a lot of it, especially if it's like a natural bean because all the like the fruit of the coffee kind of sticks to the bean, you know what I mean? And natural coffees tend to, tend to have a lot more chaff. <laughs> yeah, so make sure you have like a broom, something you can easily, like don't do it on carpet. It's just a nightmare. You have to vacuum, which I've made that mistake before in my last condo when my fiance got mad at me. But other than that, I mean, there's not a whole lot that you need other than the roaster, place to store it. Be mindful of cleaning it, keeping it degreased, that kind of thing. And then I'm telling you, if you have a place to do it outside, that's that's best. That's very I can't emphasize that, on, especially important. if you live with your significant other, because if it's not their hobby <laughs> as much as it is yours, it can be a pretty, not a bad smell, but definitely a smell that you don't want in your house it's all the time. It's not like burning a candle. It's, yeah, uh, not like burning a candle. Not at all. Yeah, that's um, it's good for people to know just you know, to run them down an outside source. Mm-hmm. or an outside area to roast a power source next to that 
uh, cleaning materials like a degreaser, broom, vacuum, yeah. clean up because you're going to get a lot of excess waste. A roaster is very helpful in the roasting process. Uh, and then also uh, a place to keep it after, like mason jars and a dry mm-hmm. place, uh, probably away from sunlight, things like that. And then also, it we talked about it earlier, but the, the GCBC mm-hmm. or the Green Coffee Buyers community. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Green, Green Coffee Buying Club. Buying Jeez. Club, not community. Yeah. Yeah, these acronyms. Uh, <laughs> but it sounds like there's a lot of knowledge there that really supported you in your growth as a home roaster. So, yeah, and the great part about it is, if you post and you're active in some of the threads, it's an it's a forum, mm-hmm. and if you post stuff, people will respond to it. So if you have questions about what kind of roaster people recommends, if you want to scale up and get a bigger roaster. A lot of these guys have roasted on uh, a lot of different machines. So, and whether you're just starting out or whether you're trying to scale up a little bit, it's a great resource, especially because a lot of the people on this community have been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And it's helpful to get that real world feedback. I can't imagine how supportive and helpful that is. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, that's what I got. Is there anything else you'd want to say? Or? No, I mean, again, this is. I'm very happy to do this. It's exciting for me. I've never been on a podcast before, so I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what my voice sounds like. Oh, we and can test it right now. <laughs> and yeah, thanks for having me, Austin. Yeah, of course. So thank you. And uh, Jesse Bro here, making it happen with Home Roasting. And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening. Remember, post hashtag Give Me DC Coffee by January 30th to have a chance to win one pound of J Bro's coffee. Keep up with Jesse Bro on Twitter at Jesse Bro. To stay up to date on Drip, a DC Coffee podcast, check us out on Twitter and Instagram or wherever you get your podcast. Quick thanks to Steve Stewart, the engineer, the Broke Royals for their music, Rebecca Silverstein for web and graphic design, and Wesley Stukenbroker for creative support. Thanks again for listening and keep brewing community.